As always, please keep your Bibles open, and also you may want to find John chapter 14, verse 12. We're going to read that verse in just a minute. John 14, verse 12. Keep your, keep your, uh, keep a mark there, and, and we will particularly focus on the words of Christ in the Great Commission passage this morning. So as always, let's stop for just a minute and ask God to help us today. Father, as we have worked our way through a glorious account of the good news of Jesus Christ, we come to what is the conclusion where where the gospel leaves us, what the gospel leaves us with, what the gospel leaves us for. So I ask God that You would do what only you can do, Father, to radically reorient our thinking and our living to be in line with where the gospel leaves us today. That everything about us as your people would be about making disciples. To do that, Lord, takes a mighty work of grace. There's so many other things that have called for our attention. We're so ingrained and rooted this time, sometimes in this world. And so, Father, do that work in our hearts, that, that surgery in our lives, that we would just be absolutely captured by the gospel and that it would be, Father, first and foremost, what we live by and what we live for, that others, Lord, around us, immediate in our immediate vicinity and to the ends of the earth would be our passion and our zeal to see them know you as well, growing in you, loving you, treasuring you, sharing you, disciples making disciples who make disciples. So, Father, again, we we love you and we praise you. We give you thanks for this day, and we ask God now that you build your church, and we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all in Christ's name. Amen. Now, notice when uh, Matthew is writing his gospel account. In verse 15 of our text this morning, he said, this story is still being spread among the Jews even to this day. So by the time Matthew sits down, writes the, his account of the gospel of Christ, he says that's still being, that story's still being told. Remember, he He wrote his gospel to the Jews, to his people. And one of the main reasons, of course, would be to expose that lie. 
to show and, and prove that that in fact was a lie. But as we know, the sad fact remains, if, if you tell a lie often enough, people begin to believe it's the truth. So what do you do with the truth? If you're telling a lie, if you're promoting a lie over and over again, what are you doing with the truth? Well, you have to cover it up, don't you? And that's exactly what we see happening in these first five verses. If you've ever wondered how hardened against the truth a heart can become, just look at the chief priest in these verses. They were not willing to believe even with eyewitness accounts of the guards. So more than one, more than two, a distribution of guards who said, this is what happened, this is what we have witnessed. And these guards would be people who had no vested interest in the resurrection, no interest whatsoever in spreading a falsehood, no interest whatsoever in coming up with a resurrection story. There was nothing for them to gain. In fact, everything for them was on the line if the body of Jesus goes missing. And so they just say the truth. This is what happened. There's, there, there was actually nothing we could do. Remember the last time we saw them, they were like dead men, right? Paralyzed with fear of the sight of the angel. So these chief priests... Know this is the truth. They know this is the truth. And yet they still attempted to cover it up. Let's make up a story. Let's pay off the guards. Let's keep Pilate's ear in favor. And let's continue to cover up the truth. Just some lessons that we see in the, in the text that apply even today. But as far as the title for today's sermon, the Great Commission for Greater Works, let's look at John fourteen twelve. This is where I wanted us to look at this verse. I want you to, this is what I'm tying in to our passage today for, for the title. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. Because, why? Because I am going to the Father. So turn back with me to... Matthew. So Jesus is referencing his time of being resurrected and ascending back to the Father. And at that time, he said his followers are going to do even greater things than he has done. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? It's shocking, actually. There's many ways in which we see this unfold. The Great Commission is one of the ways in which this unfolds that Jesus is speaking of his his ministry was confined to Judea and Samaria but his followers beginning with the disciples will carry the gospel and minister to all nations greater works than these will he 
do, whoever believes in me. Empowered by the Holy Spirit and with the great promise of Christ, I will be with you. I am with you to the end of this age. The great commission for greater works. Do you realize this morning that the presence, just, just the fact that this church exists here, 254 Grassy Pond Road, Gaffney, South Carolina, is in part a fulfillment of the Great Commission. This is a greater work. Jesus didn't travel to America to bring the gospel, but he came with his followers who did. A great commission for greater works. Great works fulfilling the great commission. So let's take a look at this great commission. A look at the great commission. Notice, first of all, that the great commission rests on a great truth. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I possess, I hold all authority that there is to be held in heaven and on earth. Jesus is sovereign over every single speck of the universe, of all creation. Our commissioner, the one who commissions us to the ends of the earth, is the one who is in control of the earth. Now, if we would allow that to settle into our hearts, it makes a tremendous difference in how we go to all the nations. So it's not as if Jesus says, now here's the commandment I give you. Go into all the world and good luck with that. Hope it goes well. No, he rests that great commission on a great truth. All authority is mine. I reign supreme over everyone and every nation and every event. Time itself. Every life. Therefore, I am sovereignly in control. Go under my authority. It not only makes a difference how we go, knowing that Christ is in control as we go, but it guarantees success of the mission. Christ has not sent his church into the world on a mission that might fail, that might not succeed. Christ has sent his church on a mission to the ends of the earth that absolutely will succeed. What's the guarantee? His messengers? No, absolutely not. I am no guarantee for anything. What's the guarantee? I have all authority. Christ is the guarantee. So the mission cannot fail. The gospel is unstoppable. And it's Christ's will that his message of salvation for the sinner be taken from across the street to across the globe. 
By the way, today's message is a great compliment to last Sunday, Missions Day. God's great commission. There are many nations today that are classified as hostile to the gospel. What that means is it's, it's very dangerous to be a Christian and live in that country. There are things that you face from your family. There are things that you face from the community. There are things at times you face from the government itself, local governments especially. There are many more nations in the world that are classified as restricted. So you have some nations that are classified as hostile, and you have some nations that are classified as restricted. Restricted means it's illegal in that nation to become a Christian. It's against the law. Christianity is not welcome there. And if it is allowed there, it is heavily regulated. The church is controlled by the anti-church government. The recognized official church of that country. India, we heard from an uh, uh, Indian missionary last week. Just to let you know, India is classified as hostile It's dangerous to be a Christian in India in some places of India. In fact, if you are a baptized follower of Christ in any of these nations, you become essentially a walking target. There is a price to pay. In other words, there's a greater price to pay in these countries than just losing a few followers or losing a few friends. In these countries, you may lose your family. You may be ostracized by your family. You may lose your employment. You may lose your possessions. There's a great outbreak in Nigeria now of uh, the, the latest thing is just burning all the homes of Christians throughout the villages in Nigeria. You may lose your employment. You may lose your possessions. You may face imprisonment. Just because you hold to Christ, you may even lose your life. And yet, in all of these nations, hostile or restricted, around the globe, the gospel continues. It hasn't stopped, it hasn't been silenced, it continues to advance. And in some areas, in some pockets across the globe where it's the most hostile towards Christ are the places where the gospel is absolutely exploding. The harder it is to live for Jesus, the more people are coming to him. How is that happening? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given To me, go, make disciples. Men and nations and powers of this world are not the final authority. Jesus is the final authority. He makes a way to save his people where there seems to be no way. He opens closed doors for his messengers to walk through and tell the good news. He heals unbelievers and opens their hearts to life and salvation. 
One of the most common testimonies on the foreign field today among those who are coming to Christ regardless of what they have to face is that they or a loved one were were literally on the deathbed and after all the gurus and after all the the medicines and, and after everything that everybody else had tried to help them, there was no solution, no way, and the Christian just happens to show up and say, well, can I pray for you, praise for them, God heals them, and they're radically saved and born again. God still moves the immovable and breaks the unbreakable for the sake of his name. The great commission rests on a great truth. Jesus Christ is in charge of this world. And he is able to take the darkest things and the most horrific events against the gospel and turn them into open channels for the gospel. Our most recent uh, history would tell us 9-11 was one of the most horrific days of evil in the history of the world. And yet God turned that dark day into an open channel for the gospel. More Muslims came to Christ because of 9-11 than any other single event in history. Let that sink in. The gospel is unstoppable because Jesus is in control. All authority in heaven and on earth. The Great Commission rests on a great truth. The second thing to look at is the Great Commission is a great commandment. Verse 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Jesus says go. Jesus commands us to go. Since he is in control and has all authority, we are absolutely free to go anywhere. We are under his commission, under his authority. There is no higher authority. And that's a command. Go is a command. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to those who are worshiping him. And he's telling those who worship him... See, in verse 17, they saw him and they worshiped him. And he's telling those who worship him, go, therefore. All authority is mine. Go and make disciples. In other words, go everywhere and take the gospel with you. How do we make disciples? He gives us two two approaches, right? Baptizing them and teaching them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That implies if, if you're baptizing someone, you don't just walk up to someone and start dunking their head underwater, right? If you're baptizing someone, that implies that you've met them, that you've shared the gospel with them, and they have responded to the gospel. That they have repented of their sin, they have embraced Christ and recognized him as Lord and Savior, 
embraced him as their treasure, invited him into their life, surrendered their all to him, and now they are publicly identifying. They're letting everybody know, my life is changed. I'm a follower of Christ. I've given my life to Christ. They are publicly identifying with Christ through baptism. So now when that happens, when you're baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the true, the one true triune God, now they've entered the community of faith. Now they've entered the body of Christ, the people of God. But disciple making at that point isn't finished, is it? Jesus didn't say, go therefore and and to all the nations, make disciples and baptize them. No, that's not when disciple-making is finished at conversion. That's when it's just getting started. That's the beginning point of discipleship when we come to faith in Christ. That's something we need to be reminded of, isn't it? Because we kind of get this mentality in our minds, especially in the Western church, where it, in some pockets it's very easy to just be nominally a Christian. We get this idea that, that once we get in, that's it. Once we get baptized, that's it. Once we get our name on the church roll, that's it. That's, that's all of our Christianity. That's all of our faith. That's all of our discipleship. That's all of following Jesus. Jesus says, go into all the world Make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them what to observe all that I have commanded you. Every bit of it. Teach them to observe. Observe it all. Be radically different than this world. Be light, be salt, be the church. So now begins, once we are in the people of God through faith in Christ, repentance of sin, now begins this lifelong process of learning and becoming like Jesus. The great commission is a great commandment. The third thing about this great commission is that is, is ener- the great commission is energized by a great promise. So sandwiched, the, the great commission is sandwiched between a great truth that leads into the great commission and a great promise that energizes the great commission. And that great promise is verse 20 when Christ says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God doesn't send us anywhere that he is not already at work preparing hearts to receive his son. We don't go alone. Jesus goes with us. He goes with us to school. He goes with us to college. He goes with us to work. He goes with us to home. He goes with us to the grocery store. I am with you always. He goes with us to Pakistan. He goes with us to Burma. He goes with us everywhere we go. And as we go with Jesus going with us, we are to be carrying the gospel and making disciples. 
No matter, Jesus is saying, no matter where you go, I'm sending you everywhere, all nations. No matter where you go, I'm with you. What a promise. You're never alone. Christ, the Son of God, is with us. Speaking of India from last week, one of the occasions I was allowed to be there in India, uh, my friend and I went we were working with a ministry in South India and they told us that they wanted to take us one evening to a village in South India that they had just recently discovered and they said there, there has been no Christian witness there for years and years. It's, it's basically Christianity is forgotten and they simply, they simply came to that village and said, we have two Americans that are going to be here tomorrow night. If you want to hear what they got to say, meet in the schoolyard. That's all they said. So we got in the Jeep with them, and it took forever to get there because of the condition of the roads. We got there. It was already dark. We didn't know what to expect. We, this, this schoolyard was basically just a dirt, a dirt floor surrounded by a, a stone wall. And we walked in there. They had this little platform set up for us. And the schoolyard was packed shoulder to shoulder, brick wall to brick wall. People wanting to see these two guys from America and hear what they had to say. My friend stood up and just simply preached the gospel. And then gave the, the opportunity to come to Christ and just simply said if you want Jesus if you want this salvation that I'm speaking of speaking through an interpreter if you want this salvation that I'm speaking of just stand to your feet to embrace Christ and the whole schoolyard stood the entire village before we left we were there for two weeks before we left there was a, a church established in that village what is that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Behold, I am with you always. Go, therefore. You've been praying for that loved one for years and years and years, and it seems impossible. Keep praying, keep sharing. How about that neighbor? How about that friend? How about that coworker? Keep going, keep sharing, keep believing, keep praying. A look at the Great Commission. Second thing, the Great Commission as a culmination of Matthew's gospel. The Great Commission as a culmination of Matthew's gospel. I preached the first sermon to us here at Grassy Pond, from Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, on April the 29th, 2018. I had to go back and look. That's when we started Matthew's gospel. Matthew took us by the hand at that date and has walked us verse by verse through this gospel account for four and a half years. Today's sermon is something like 130 sermons. We have watched the Savior and listened to the Savior sitting beside Matthew. Matthew's been in our ear the whole time. This is what's been happening. 
This is who he is. We've heard Jesus preach five sermons. We've watched him call out his disciples. We've stood in amazement at 16 specific miracle accounts, not to mention the four times Matthew said he healed everybody. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miracles. We were perplexed at the growing opposition. And yet we, it was at times like looking in a mirror. We sat solemnly at the foot of the cross. We rejoiced at the empty tomb. For four and a half years we walked with Jesus. Have you been changed? What happened as the result of four and a half years, 130 sermons, just looking and listening and watching and hearing Jesus? Are we now like Peter who said when Jesus said, are you going to go too? And Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? Who are we going to go to? You have the words of life. Or are we more like those chief priests in our text today? Unmoved, unchanged, no matter what we've seen or heard. But what was the point of all of this, of 28 chapters, of all that we've seen, all that we heard? What was the point? All the powerful miracles, all the precious words, the death and resurrection, they all culminate in the Great Commission. That's where it ends. That's the ending. That's the goal of the gospel, to leave the church going, spreading, scattering the gospel everywhere. That's the purpose for why we exist. That's the purpose for why we live. Notice Matthew doesn't end with his commentary. Matthew doesn't end with his words. He ends with Jesus' great commission. Go, I'm with you. I've got all authority. Go, make disciples all the way to the ends of, of the earth, of every nation. And guess what those... Guess what those, that little group of disciples did? They went and they made disciples of every nation, everywhere they could go. In fact, Thomas went to India, right? Where he was later martyred. But it wasn't in vain, was it? Last Sunday, an Indian stood in this pulpit whose last name happened to be Thomas and preached the gospel. Lastly, we looked at the Great Commission. We see the culmination. The Great Commission is the culmination of Matthew's gospel. So that, that compels us to take another look at the Great Commission. So just imagine when Matthew wrote his gospel account, when Matthew wrote that and, and copies were being made and, and, and distributed and sent to churches and, 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 and synagogues and more than likely, if, if you were able to obtain or you were able to be in a group of people who had a copy of Matthew's gospel, that's the only New Testament book you had. Imagine that scenario. 
And if you, if you came to faith in Christ, if you're reading through Matthew's account, remember he wrote it specifically to the Jews. This is the king and this is his kingdom. And if you came to faith in Christ somewhere in the sermons, somewhere in the miracles, somewhere in the death and resurrection of Christ, and then you reach the end of the book and Jesus, the Savior and Lord of your life, says, now go and make disciples, what would you do? If that's the only thing you had, there's nothing else to do, right? Matthew introduced you to Jesus, and now you go and introduce others to Jesus. Now let's bring that to our setting here at Grassy Pond. We've walked through Matthew's gospel. We've reached the end, the Great Commission. That's where the gospel ends with followers of Jesus going and making disciples of all nations. So whatever we do with the gospel, what, whatever, however we respond to verses 18, 19, and 20, we could pencil in as verse 21. Verse 21, and this is what Grassy Pond Baptist Church did. And so therefore, the group of people who call themselves disciples of Jesus at Grassy Pond responded by... Whatever we do with this gospel, we cannot sit and do nothing, can we? Having learned the greatest news in life, we must make disciples. You see, the Great Commission leaves us as a church with, with two great endeavors. Discipleship, teaching believers all that God has revealed to us in his word. Remember, see, Jesus said that, teaching them to observe all. All that I have commanded you. So by the way, that's why we went verse by verse through Matthew's gospel. So that by the end when Jesus says, teach them all that I commanded you, we would know all that he commanded us. How are we as a church doing as in, in discipleship? How are we teaching one another to observe all that Jesus, to observe Teaching to observe, not to know, but to observe. That's the second thing. The first thing is going and, and making disciples, right? Evangelism and missions. You see, church, we exist not for just who's here, but also for who's not here. In order to have those in the church who are in the community of faith being taught, being discipled, all that God has commanded us to, to observe and live this life in the power of the gospel. We have to go outside the church and win them and bring them. So that makes half of what we're about not about us, but about them. How do we win them? How do we compel them? How do we convince them? How do we persuade them? Jesus didn't say sit and wait for them to come. He said go and make disciples. You've heard this before. Why doesn't Jesus just take us straight to heaven as soon as we are saved? I mean, 
That's our final destination. Why not just go there? What is this life of faith for? If not to be the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus. So that when we go to heaven, we can bring with us as many as we can. Church, that's where the gospel of Matthew leaves us. That's where we leave off with a great commission resting on a great truth energized by a great promise. Two points of application then, two points of takeaway for us this morning. Number one, win them, disciple them, and then send them. Win them, disciple them, and then send them. And number two, we've seen and heard Jesus. Have we been changed? Let's pray. Father, we do love you and praise you today that there is even a gospel. What a treasure. What grace. That we even have this thing that's been given to us, this message, this truth, this gospel of salvation. What a blessing. And what a blessing above that not only is there a gospel message, but we've actually been exposed to it. We've actually heard it. In fact, we've actually studied it in detail for over four years. We've actually walked and listened to Christ and and seen him and watched the gospel unfold right before our eyes. What a joy and privilege to, to know and be exposed to the greatest message ever. And by your grace and for your glory, we we have embraced Christ. We have embraced the gospel. We've surrendered ourselves to Christ as treasure. Now, now, what's left of this life is to be about making disciples. Taking that treasure that's been given to us and making it known. Making Jesus famous. So we're asking God that first of all you would make us your people if some of us gathered today or not. And you would make us disciples and make us disciples who make disciples who make disciples from this community to the edge of the world. We pray and ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.